Hi, I'm Paul Lisnick. This is the WGN-TV Political Report coming up. Every person in Springfield needs to take a good, hard look at themselves. Will the Mike McClain email scandal finally force change in culture at the State House? We'll talk to House Minority Leader Jim Durkin about that and the Republican agenda. Plus, my problem is I speak candidly even before I was leaving. Stepping down after 40 years in state government, outgoing Senate President John Cullerton reflects on his career. Plus, Damon Bradley is live in Springfield as lawmakers pick his replacement. And later, the third presidential impeachment trial in U.S. history now underway on Capitol Hill. We've got a closer look at how proceedings will play out. We begin this morning in Springfield. Democrats in the state Senate will have a new leader for the first time in a decade. Lawmakers will pick a replacement for John Cullerton in just over an hour. Tamon Bradley is at the Capitol ahead of the vote. Tamon, tell us more about what's going on inside that chamber today. Paul, good morning. That's right. John Cullerton sent shockwaves through Springfield back in November when he announced he would retire during the middle of his term. We'll get to him in just a moment, but that announcement set off a furious battle behind the scenes to pick a replacement, and it has narrowed down to two candidates. Take a look. The first state senator, Don Harmon. He's long served as assistant majority leader and has a well-funded political operation. State Senator Kimberly Lightford is also vying for the top spot. Lightfoot was largely considered the frontrunner. She served as Cullerton's right-hand woman as majority leader and already has the backing of many colleagues. Lightfoot would also become the first black woman to preside over a chamber of the Illinois legislature. So that is who's in the running. Let's talk about the outgoing Senate President John Cullerton. 41 years here in Springfield as a legislator. He saw about 1,000 people that he worked with over those 41 years. He also saw two Illinois governors go to prison. But despite all of that, Cullerton told us during an interview this week in Chicago that he doesn't think that the widespread corruption that we have been talking about is as rampant and as bad as it seems. Mike McLean, the former Madigan Chief of Staff Tim Mapes, Kevin Quinn, all men who've been the subject of investigations. Is Speaker Madigan responsible for the conduct of his lieutenant? You know, I don't think so. Um, my experience with the Speaker goes over decades, and he's a hardworking, honest, tough guy. Uh, I've negotiated with him for years, 11 years as a Senate president. You have to remember, nothing passes and goes to the governor unless each chamber passes identical legislation. So we've, we've worked everything out, and uh, I, to me, he's a very honest guy. He's, He's friends with Mike McLean. Uh, I served with Mike uh, again 30 years ago when I was in the House, but not not recently. I don't I don't deal with him. Uh, he's been an advisor, but this is the type of thing we sh probably should wait and find out more information because this could have been uh, just McLean doing this on his own. Let's talk about you. You're known as a deal maker. What was the best deal you struck? Well, I would say, ironically enough, the best deal I struck was the one that didn't actually work at the end, but it got everything started. And that was when Christine Redonio, my Republican counterpart, we were elected the same day uh, the, as our leaders, uh, after Bruce Rauner was really not functioning very well as our governor. We got so frustrated, we said, let's, it was her idea, let's you and I sit down, we put together about 12 bills, major pieces of legislation, a tax increase for the Republicans to vote for, uh, workers' comp reforms for the Democrats to vote for, and 
we compromised and we, we started to pass it until Rauner pulled the rug out from under. It led to her actually resigning from the General Assembly out of frustration, but it also led to us eventually uh, overriding the governor with Republican votes, getting money and starting to pay our bills and stopping the two and a half years of just uh, overspending that, uh, that he, he really was responsible for. Let's look back at some of the governors uh, that you worked with in Springfield. I'll say the name of a governor, you tell me the first word that comes to mind. Let's start with George Ryan. George was a great governor. Uh, he went to jail for things he did when he was the Secretary of State. Great governor. Can't do it in one word, but he was the former speaker, uh, appreciated the, the legislative branch. One word or one sentence. Let's try it. Pat Quinn. Pat Quinn uh, came in under tough conditions. Uh, after an impeachment and a recession, had to take uh, tough positions on tax increases. Jim Edgar. Jim Edgar was a decent guy, uh, very kind of conservative. Uh, also had served in the legislature and appreciated the, uh, the General Assembly. Rod Blagojevich. Uh, my neighbor lived down the street from me, uh, worked against me when I ran for Congress against Dan Rostenkowski. Um, I wasn't the Senate president when he was uh, the, the governor, uh, and he did nothing but fight with the legislature. Bruce Rauner. Um, his skills in the private sector didn't translate into being a governor. Uh, he was a disaster. Uh, uh, he brought the unions together because he hated them so much, so they couldn't even fight amongst themselves. Um, didn't want, you don't cooperate with the General Assembly by saying, spending tens of million dollars saying the speaker's a crook. And he didn't accomplish anything. J.B. Pritzker. Well, now we have probably only one year, f phenomenal record, uh, and bipartisan because he, the Republicans actually uh, dealt with him. Now that you're leaving, I was hoping you could speak candidly about what sort of ethics reform is needed. My problem is I speak candidly even before I was leaving, so I have no problem talking about it. it, it it's once again, uh, there's a little bit of hype in media because of the competition that's evolved from 41 years ago. So people are being charged with crimes that are already on the books. Okay, so you, you know maybe it doesn't necessarily require us to increase penalties on something. Let's be thoughtful. That's why we didn't want to rush into passing some feel-good bill when the people first uh, were being charged. So uh, I think that lobbying reforms are one area, generally speaking, that uh, could be looked at. Uh, we did pass a, a committee that is a blue ribbon committee that's working on stuff right now. Would you support banning lawmakers, Springfield lawmakers, from working as lobbyists at the local government level? Uh, there, there's a perfect example of, of a misunderstanding. The city of Chicago, and they should correct this, they have uh, rules that say regular lawyering, like I, I'm a lawyer. But if you are just representing a client under the city council rules, you have to register as a lobbyist, even though you're not lobbying anybody. You're just talking to their corporation council. So that triggers you guys to say, he's a lobbyist and he's a legislator. Well, let's look into it a little carefully. What are you going to do now? Law firm full-time? Yeah, the law firm full-time. Uh, uh, again, I'm a, I'm a partner in a law firm, Thompson Coburn. It's a big firm down in St. Louis. It was a Chicago office, and I'm going to practice law and apparently register as a lobbyist with the city of Chicago if I have any clients that, that go there. And leaving now, you're keeping your promise to your wife? She's the one that uh, we got married the same year that I got sworn in. So our marriage and our political career has coincided. About four years ago, she said, shocked me actually, she said, I'm for term limits. 
And I said, are you referring to the marriage or the political career? She said, you figure it out. So uh, three grandchildren. I was supposed to leave last year. I negotiated for one more year, and that's where I'm going now. Outgoing Senate President John Cullerton. This morning at 11 o'clock, Democrats will huddle behind closed doors to pick his successor. Paul. Hey, Tabon, do we have a favorite at this hour? You know, at the beginning of this process, it seemed like it was Kimberly Lightford. She had the momentum. She had prominent backers. She was meeting with people, having fancy lunches and getting them on board. But more recently, it appears Don Harmon has taken over votes. I talked to a couple lawmakers earlier this week who said that he has more votes. But keep in mind, Paul, in order to be elected Senate president, you have to have 30 votes. Neither one of them at last check had that. And so if they don't get it, perhaps they might have to look for some Republicans to help them get that or someone else could emerge as a potential candidate. So we'll keep you posted. All right, thanks. We'll be watching. Coming up next, we're sticking with the State House. When are Illinois citizens going to say enough is enough with what the Democrats have done to the state? Can Republicans in the super minority get ahead and get the change they want? Sitting down with House GOP leader Jim Durkin, plus later in the show, the date is set, but the details on President Trump's impeachment trial still fuzzy. We'll try to sort out what you need to know in this week's Closer Look. Stay tuned. Welcome back. After a busy year at the State House, Democrats in Springfield touted their ability to get things done with the help of their colleagues across the aisle. But headed into the new spring session, Republicans argue they're now being shut out of the legislative process, including a task force meant to address property taxes. Take a listen. I called on the Democrats, bring the task force together. There's 88 of us. People can participate by phone. Let's bring these ideas out. Let's talk about them, debate them, see if we can find some compromise consensus, and then actually present something meaningful to the governor. But solving Illinois' policy problems are only the beginning. The state capitol is already clouded by a bevy of corruption and allegations from powerful lobbyists to lawmakers themselves. House Minority Leader, Republican State Representative Jim Durkin joining us today in the WGN studios. Thank you for being Glad in, Mr. Be Leader. Mike McLean, Luis Arroyo, Martin Sandoval, ComEd, corruption. It's been taking place in the State House for decades. No question about that. It's again coming to the forefront. My question for you, Mr. Leader, is it a question of ethics reform or are we electing the wrong people to Springfield? Both. We're electing. My, my short answer and long answer to this is both. We do need ethics reform. We find out every year that we see problems within the state of Illinois. We fix it. And this whole issue of lobbying by legislators uh, in different areas of government does raise a concern. And we just found that out the, the most difficult way. That was with the arrest of Representative Arroyo. Uh, that is something that we have to address immediately. But there has to be greater disclosure on behalf of the legislature on backgrounds of what they do for outside of the legislature. But uh, people are just uh, continuing to elect the wrong people uh, for office. And I think that that is also part of the problem is that there is such a machine that has been built up over years in which you get the right people in who are not going to be a problem within the caucuses that are a sure vote. And I wish that the public would take uh, look, look at individuals with, uh, you know, greater scrutiny and watch their character. Senate President John Cullerton told us he believes House Madig uh, that uh, House Speaker Madigan is an honest guy. You think Mike Madigan is honest? 
I will say this, that I have an uh, arm's length relationship with the speaker. Uh, he and I have worked on issues in which we've accomplished things. There's things which we've argued about. Um, I can't uh, say that he's been dishonest. Uh, he's just an interesting person to work with. Uh, um, I have no reason to believe that he is uh, dishonest and uh, I'll be working with him this session and I hope we can accomplish the same things this next year as we did last year. Will the culture inside the State House ever change as long as he's Speaker? I'm afraid that there is a, um, um, a history within that chamber in that building uh, in which uh, it has been operated, uh, in which he operates from, that I think is going to be very challenging. I think until there is a change in leadership, it's going to be difficult to change the, the problems of the past or what the perception is that the public has about Springfield. And part of, that, need, reality, part of that reality is you're in the super minority in both chambers. Governor is a Democrat now. Your suggestions for allowing Republican-backed bills to come up for a vote, they haven't gone anywhere. How do you Never. make a difference when you can't get anything I've got to done? win seats. It's real simple. I've got to win seats, and uh, we've got to make a stronger case to the public, uh, better candidates. But I will say this probably something that we need to uh, explore, but also needs to be a, a true bipartisan effort is going to be changing the way in which we uh, redraw legislative districts. The power is controlled by the people who are in the majority. They're the well, ones who write the, write the districts that basically ensure a majority uh, for, for, for a decade. Let me ask you about that because let's talk about the census. It's nearly guaranteed the state's gonna lose a congressional seat. Correct. With redistricting, can we be sure the balance of power won't suggest that it's the Republican seat that gets lost? I, I believe it will be. I think it's a Republican seat is going to, by all, uh, everything that I'm aware of, it looks like that there's gonna be a seat downstate that's gonna lose, The Republicans will lose another seat, but, uh, that affects the, you know, the Illinois' influence in Washington when it comes to budget uh, issues. Uh, but in Illinois, uh, we're not going to lose a seat. Uh, at least we're not going to lose 118 or 59. Uh, but I've got to be able to figure out how we can uh, ensure that there's a better process in place. And I've talked to the governor about it. He's said that you know, he will not support a, a partisan gerrymandered drawn map. So uh, that's kind of like in the eye of the beholder. Let so, me ask you, the Republican agenda, uh, you didn't get what you wanted out of the property task force. Correct. Uh, tax task force, right? So what do you want? Where can you compromise? Well, I'd like to be part of the, be, have a seat at the table. This task force was kind of a joke. It was 88 members that met over about a three-month period. But the purpose of the task force was basically to accommodate a couple members who voted for the governor's uh, constitutional amendment on the fair tax. And this is their way of, I guess, their CYA, so to speak. But it was set up in a bunch of sub, uh, uh, subgroups who met, but there was never enough, uh, an interim report. They missed that deadline, this 88 uh, member group. Uh, there was never a vote on the actual report that was sent out at the end of the year. So while we believe, believe in substance, we also believe in process. And they did not follow anything in, within their own resolution that they passed that created the task force and really didn't come up with anything substantive other than asking for more taxes. One of them was to eliminate local property taxes and making it the state's burden. That would say that the state of Illinois would have to come up with $19 billion to fund schools. So seats at the table, but that's not necessarily a voice. Republicans in the state have mixed feelings about President Trump. We're in an election year. Um, he's not going to win this state in November, but I'm curious because he is popular with a lot of voters outside of the city and, and in the suburbs. Some lawmakers don't support his style. How do you feel about the president? And uh, are you campaigning for him in this re-election year? I'm campaigning for my candidates uh, from downstate Illinois all the way to the Wisconsin border. 
Uh, I am not interested in what's going on in Washington. My responsibility is in Springfield to build upon what we currently have. Uh, I will be supporting the Republican ticket, but my efforts and my concentration will be 100% towards the Illinois House of Representatives. All right, Leader Jim Durkin, good luck. Thank you. Return to Springfield, good luck with your agenda. Coming up after the break, inside the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump, what you need to know at the start of a historic week on Capitol Hill. And later... I mean, we want to thank him for his service and keep fighting for us, man, the American people, all of us. Illinois voters show their support for the president, how the campaigns are fighting for the Midwest ahead of November. The House's hour is over. The Senate's time is at hand. President Donald Trump's fate now in the hands of 100 U.S. Senators. Those lawmakers transformed into jurors, tasked with deciding if the president should be removed from office. The trial over two articles of impeachment begins in earnest on Tuesday. And joining me live in our WGN studios to talk about the road ahead, Michael Conway. He served as counsel to the House Judiciary Committee during the Nixon impeachment. Michael, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Appreciate that. So look, Senators uh, John Roberts, Chief Justice, sworn in on Thursday. Openings are about to get underway. What can we expect to happen on Tuesday? So the first thing that's going to happen is that Mitch McConnell is going to have to determine what the rules are for the proceeding. And in this case, uh, he said he's going to follow the Clinton template, which provides for 24 hours by the House managers to make their argument, their legal argument, factual argument, 24 hours by the new, newly announced president's team, and then there'll be a motion to dismiss. Now, that's what he said he's going to do, but uh, we never know. There could be some uh, extemporaneous actions by some of the Republican members, perhaps to uh, try to dismiss the case at the outset, and some of the Democratic senators who are going to seek a motion to have witnesses right at the outset. So the Democrats have seven House managers. The uh, Republicans have their own team for the White House. Who do we expect to play a prominent role? Adam Schiff's going to play a prominent role. He was the head of the Intelligence Committee, and he uh, uh, really handled the investigation. But he's only one of seven. I think Val Deming, the congressman from Florida, who was a very aggressive questioner, former police chief from Orlando, I think she'll be very active. But there'll be some surprises, too. And on the Republican side, Pat Cipollone, the White House counsel, actually is going to be hurting cats. He has a very difficult job. He has these celebrity members uh, of his, Ken Starr, uh, uh, Professor uh, Hurwitz, uh, Dershowitz, 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 Professor yeah. Dershowitz, sorry. And so he's going to have a hard time doing that, but I think Cipollone is going to take the lead. So Republicans hold most of the power here. What can they do to take control of these proceedings? Well, the first thing they can do is uh, seek to dismiss the case. Uh, the White House position has been that the uh, House case is so weak, so thin, that it should be dismissed at the outset. And I think they'll do that. But there's going to be a vote, and if 51 senators agree to hear witnesses, and that means that four Republicans would have to cross over, uh, then uh, it'll go on to the next stage. All right, crystal ball time. How long can we expect this trial to take? It's going to take at least until the middle of next week, assuming that there isn't a dismissal at the beginning because uh, of the time allotted to the White House lawyers and to the managers. But if there are witnesses, it's going to last quite a bit longer. And I think the uh, Clinton trial lasted um, several weeks. All right, Michael Conway, thanks for your insight. One more break, more on the fight for Midwestern voters in the presidential election after this. Welcome back. President Trump visited Milwaukee earlier this week. Wisconsin is expected to be a crucial battleground in November. 
Here are some of the sights and sounds from the rally. The President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. We're excited. Number one in line. Uh, this is my first rally. It is too. He's my man. Got to support my man for the next four years. He's doing great for the economy. He's protecting us and he's keeping us safe. I support the president, so I just really wanted to come and see him. 2024 Trump. Following through on everything he promised, yeah. and he's making America great. He did what he said he was going to do, and the economy's doing great. We're the greatest president we've had. I'm here for my grandchildren. It is very important. A politician, a businessman who keeps his promises. Standing up for us as citizens of America. America this is first. the best country America in the world. First. It always has been, and we're going to continue it. All right, thanks. That's the end of this week's political report. Next Sunday, what to expect from Governor J.B. Pritzker's State of the State Address.